Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Okay, so in that chapter 7, we saw from verse um, 17, no, from verse 18, the Bible said, so it happened just as the word, the, um, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seers of barley for a shekel and a seer of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. That was the word of God. If you look at verse 16, the Bible said, the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. And by the time they plundered the tent of the Syrians, all what God said came to pass. Look at it in verse 16. So a seer of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. So we take note there that the word of God, the word of God is reliable. God spoke, and at the end of the day, it came to pass. You know, in the, the circumstances did not look as if, ah, how can this happen? Do you know that was the issue? And do you know, when you think about it, that how can this happen? You know, that was the same way that king's officer was thinking. He said, how, how can this happen? Even if the heavens, even if God eh? oh, it's, 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 it's serious. Even if God will make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? Do you see that it's very easy for us not to believe the word of God? But Let's, let's, let's be challenged this evening that we don't have an option. You see, the word of God operates beyond and above space, above time. The word of God operates beyond our, our circumstances. If you know what I mean. The word of God doesn't need your wristwatch to work. Do you get what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is this. The word of God, once it is pronounced, is not, is not um, restricted by human time and space. The word of God doesn't need your approval for it to happen. Even if you disapprove of the word of God, even if you don't like it, even if you don't believe it, the word of God has to come to pass. You see, what was happening here, when God spoke, the, the officer questioned it. He said, how can this happen? Remember, people were already killing themselves in Samaria. Cannibalism was already taking place. And God now pronounced that, don't worry, food will be available and will be in abundance to the point that it's going to become very cheap. That was what God said. But because of the situation, it was difficult for anybody to phantom and believe it. Why? Because, remember what we said, the word of God does not rely on the situation and circumstance to be right or to be favorable before it happens. That's why I said the word of God operates beyond our time, human time and human space. The word of God is not restricted by our circumstances and situations. So what we are taking note of here, I just want to, I just feel God wants to challenge us very deeply that since the word of God is this reliable 
and it does not matter what is happening. We, it will only be wise for us to put our faith in the word of God. To believe the word of God wholeheartedly. It is only wisdom for us to say, if the word of God is so, is so sure, if there is great reliance on the word of God, if we need, if the word of God is true, then God, can you help me? It's only wise for us to pray and say, God, can you help me? To believe your word, to invest in your word, to embrace your word, to obey your word. If we have come to the understanding that the word of God is a sure banker. I pray God will help us. You see, let's establish a few principles here. Now, just to let us know how sure the word of God is. How sure the word of God is. Let's just go to Go to Mark, no, Matthew chapter 5. Just a few scriptures to help establish what God actually wants us to know about his word. Mark chapter, um, Matthew chapter 5, I keep saying Mark. Matthew chapter 5. Let's just go straight to verse. Verse 17 and verse 18. Look at what Jesus was saying. This was Jesus talking to the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one title will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Wonderful. I don't know if you understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to emphasize there. Let me read it from Amplified. He says, do not think I, I have come to do away with or undo the law or the prophets. I have come not to do away with or undo, but to complete and fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until the sky and the earth pass away and perish, not one smallest letter, nor one little hook identifying certain Hebrew letters will pass from the law until all things it foreshadows accomplished. The word of God is so reliable that heaven and earth can pass away. But the word of God, every aspect of it, every aspect, every, you know, in the, when they write the Hebrew language, the, 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 the wordings of the Hebrew language, some of it is not like our typical letters we write in English. So if you, if you Google the Google in the Hebrew language, you will see it. There are, there are small dots that signify phrases and words. The Bible is saying, in whatever, you see what this scripture is telling me, is in whatever language the word of God it comes, none of it can go unfulfilled. Yes, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, I was just, I mean, heaven and earth have passed away. We'll have the new heaven and earth after that. Yes. But we won't need the law, right? Is that what this is saying as well? Because one without the other, it, you know, it's a bit out, well, not out of context, but out of the big picture, really. So, I'm just wondering what your 
how, how you explain that we don't need the law on the new heaven and earth. It's just, just something nice to share. Yes, you know, that is, um, you know, in reference to the word of God, mm-hmm. in the new heaven and the new earth, which is a different kingdom entirely, it's not where, because God, the Lord, the Lord God is going to be reigning then. You understand? We we will we will be. That's a different. Um, should I say a different dispensation? Mm-hmm. What this scripture is trying to emphasize to us again is the surety. You see the context in which Jesus was talking. We was talking about the law, the law, the commandments, the prophets. And all he was trying to emphasize here was that, see, I actually came to fulfill it. I did not come to, di- to, to disprove it. I did not come to, to contradict it. I actually came to fulfill the law, the word of God, as it were. Mm-hmm. And he was now trying to lay the surety, the surety of the word of God he has come to fulfill. He said, I'm going to just read it from NLT, just for a simpler. He said, I assure you, until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain until his purpose is achieved. You see what God is saying there? What God is saying is that the word of God is so reliable that even if you think it's not going to come to pass, it cannot but come to pass. Time does not restrict it. Um, Occasions, situations and circumstances cannot, no matter how time goes, the word of God is is not going to, it must be accomplished. Its purpose must be brought forth. So I'm just looking at the context in which Jesus was talking about, about the surety of the word of God. If you look at what, what was said, is it in Peter? This same issue came up. Let me go to First Peter. Just to buttress this point. Look at it. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. I will read... This is Peter trying to also, just to, in correlation to this. Let me read it from verse um, 22. It says, since you, have been purif- since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the field, as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers, flower falls away. But the word of God endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Do you see, Peter was just trying to make reference to the fact that the word of God endures. It endures forever. It withstands time. In eternity, because although it's a different dispensation, we are actually living by what the word of God has said, even in eternity. You see, when the Bible says the word of God endures forever, now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You see, the gospel is God's word. The gospel of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the word of God. That is the gospel. The reason why everybody needs to listen to that is because that is the truth. It endures forever. 
that that scripture is the truth. That is the only way by which we can come to be reconciled to our Savior. But it is the word of God. That's why me and you can have confidence and stand and say, like Jesus said, there is no other way to the Father except by me. That is the word of God. It is the truth. It endures forever. When somebody comes and says, well, do you know if my, uh, maybe there are other ways to God? The question is, is that the word of God? That's not the word of God. So let's go by what the word of God says. Is the, is the endurance, is the surety, is the assurance the word of God gives. Every part of it, every section of the word of God, you know, the word of God is communicated to us through letters as we read, isn't it? The Bible is saying every aspect of that communication cannot go unfulfilled. When That's why Jesus was saying, not a title or a jot. So when we read the scripture, for instance, the Bible says, for, just for instance, let's, if you look at that first Peter, hmm? the Bible says in first Peter, um, let me just give an example in that first Peter. It says, it says, blessed be the God. I'm reading from verse three, first Peter chapter one, verse three. It said, blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. You see, if you look at that scripture, that verse 3, you can break it down into various sections. This, the, the first section, for instance, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Is God not blessed? Is God not blessed? Do, do you get it? Is God not blessed? If we look at another translation, NIV says, Praise be to God and the Father of our God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me. All praise should go to who, please? Is it not God? You see, so the word of God, every aspect of it is reliable, is true, is something we should bring ourselves under. Look at the next part of that verse. It says, who according to his abundant mercy, excuse me, is God's mercy not abundant? Another transition says, in his great mercy. Ah, do you, do you see the word of God? Every aspect of it is true, is real, and honestly, it is sure. Is God's mercy not great? Do you know, even at times when you think about it, you don't understand God's mercy. That is how great he is. That's how great that mercy is. You understand? See how great God's mercy. A man eh, was organizing the death. Paul was organizing the death of Stephen. He was so, he was so anti-Christian. Is it not God's mercy that God, in his mercy, went and touched Paul's heart. And he now became a great instrument in the hand of God to bring about so many souls into the kingdom. Is it not great mercy? When you think about it, excuse me, if you were God, let's, let's talk to ourselves. If you were God, can you phantom that kind of mercy? You can't. If you were God, will you not have will you not have just coughed and someone like Paul would have roasted to death? Eh? If you were God, but the Bible said He has abundant mercy. God's mercy is unfathomable and is great. Look at the next section. You see, all this section of the script of the Word of God. We can only but bow to it and subject our lives to it. That's the prayer. Look at it. He said, in his great mercy, 
has begotten us. Again, he has begotten us. He has given birth to us into a new living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, wonderful. The word of God. Excuse me, is that not real? Is that not true? So when a Christian, when somebody refuses to believe this, this surety, this truth, when you refuse to believe it, when you refuse to believe that you're coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he has begotten you into a new life. When you now refuse to believe it, how can you? How, what is your hope, please? Which hope do you have if you don't want to believe this? Which hope? That's what God is trying to emphasize to our hearts, beloved brethren. That every aspect of the word of God, everything God says, ah, when all he's asking is let us bring our hearts to rely on it. Do you know the word of God is as, in fact, I don't know how to use, you see, at times I always ask God for help to use, how to use spirit-giving illustrations to describe the spiritual truth we, we, we are to embrace. Do you know God's word is much real than the air you breathe? I know you might, I know this is too, I'm not trying to be abstract here. Do you know the word of God is so real hmm? that when you breathe, you know you wake up and just breathe air naturally, isn't it? It is spontaneous. You don't need science to prove to you presently that there is air. You are just breathing it in, isn't it? That's the word of God. That's, that's real, isn't it, for your life and for your livelihood. The word of God is even much more real than that. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone. So the Bible is saying, you cannot live and be alive in God by bread alone. There is nothing physical that keeps a man alive. Only, the Bible is saying, except man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word. That is the surety we have in the word of God. You need every word of God to stay alive. Do you know, both physically and spiritually, you need every word. You need every aspect of God's word. This is so important. And I'm praying that God will help us. You see, as I was meditating, I was praying for myself afresh. I said, God, if that is the case, why is it that I have not, how I wish, Lord, help me to take your word much more serious. Help me to be more faithful, more faithful, more attentive, more um, deliberate with your word. Lord, help me. If I cannot live or survive by the physical things I experience only, and I need your word to survive, oh God, then I need to take it more serious. May God grant us understanding. Okay, please, let, let, let me just reinforce a few things. Even God, just to let you know, you see, if, God, if you should take the word of God serious, eh? why should you take the word of God serious? It's not just you. Do you know even God even God himself <laughs> has to take his word serious. Look at the word of God. Just go to John chapter 1. It's a scripture you know very well. Look at it. John chapter 1. You know it. 
but let's just look at it and read it together again. Just to show you the emphasis God places on his own word. Look at it. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. It was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, look at, let's, let's, let's think about this scripture. You see, we know that the word of God there personifies Jesus, isn't it? That is true. Also, we know that when the Bible talks about the word of God, the Bible is saying, you know, the Bible said in Genesis, let there be light. That was God speaking. That was God bringing the word. And if you see what the scripture says here, it says all things were made through him. And what is the him there? It's actually the word. Personify in Jesus. Because the more you read the, this first chapter, you realize that the word of God is actually Jesus. So the Bible is saying all things in verse 3, all things were made through him, through the word. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So you can read that scripture as all things were made through the word. And without the word, nothing was made that was made. God had to bring the word of God. The Lord Jesus, personified in the word of God, had to be at work for anything to be made that was made. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to complicate our understanding at all. I just want us to believe what the Bible has said. Nothing was made that was made without the word. So for God, eh, for God to be God, he, he lives, he breathes by his word. Now, it looks as if I'm being, I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to confuse things. God, he is God. Look at, let's, let's read the scripture. Just look at Psalm 138. Yes, is this Psalm 138? Yeah, Psalm 138. Just as a reference. Psalm 138, I'm going to read verse. Um, just bear with me. The verse 2. Yes, look at verse 2. Just to show you how God places emphasis on his word. The Bible says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. What's God telling us there? That God actually, you know God, his status, his name is his status. But you see, for God to be God, he lives by his word. Even God, and I'm praying that we understand that the reason why God is telling us to believe his word is because even him lives and acts by his word. If I'm allowed to say this, God is bound by his word. 
Do you understand? God, once God speaks, he's speaking his very nature. He cannot act outside his word because he's God. The truth, the truth resides in God. And if God speaks his word, he cannot now suddenly change his mind because he has spoken his word. He lives by his word. God is God because of his word. And if, you know, it will be, it will be, it's not that I'm saying it will be wrong. It's just that, you see, God has given us an example through himself. When the Bible says, be followers of God, what God is saying is, I want you to think the way I'm thinking. I want you to do the things I am doing. And how does God do his things? If you want to explore, how does God think? You you want to know how God thinks? Look at his word. In his mercy, he has revealed his word to us. That's why when a man, has, uh, when somebody has come to know Jesus as not a savior, he's now born again. Excuse me. How does he now progress from there? He is introduced to the regular application of the word of God in his life. Because from then on, he needs to be following God. Yes, Kevin. But the the word and Jesus are synonymous in the same thing. Yeah. Jesus is God and has always been there. He's part of God and that. So he's part of God. And when we become Christians, we get conformed into the image of Christ, which is the word. 100%. 100%. So, so it's it's all the same. It's all I'm all telling you, honestly, I agree with you 100%. It's all the same. You see, that's why, in fact, thank you, um, Kevin, for raising that. Because, you see, God doesn't want us to complicate it in our minds. It's still the same thing. So when we are talking about Jesus, actually, you know, that's why um, when Philip said, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. Jesus looked at him and said, excuse me, Philip. How long have you been with me? Once you see me, you've seen the father. Oh, I just thank God for that. You see, the reason why I thank God for it again is because God is trying to make it not too complex for us. He's trying to say, once, that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. There is no way you will follow me and you will not see the Father. It's not possible. There is no way. And you see, the assurance I'm seeing again and again is that God wants us to, to, to rely wholeheartedly, to hang our hearts if I'm allowed to say everything in your being, mobilize it to, to believe, hold on to the word of God. Everything. Because when you do that, you are actually laying hold of God. You know, trying to, oh, I want to know, I want to follow God. I want to follow God. I want to know how, know more of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I want to know you more. And you do not take his word serious. That is a fallacy. It's not possible. That prayer cannot be a reality if you ignore the word of God. Honestly, there is no way you can say you want to know more of Jesus and you ignore the word of God. That's why, look at Jesus. Jesus came. Oh, hallelujah. You know what, the, what happened to Jesus? The Bible said he came. Maybe we should look at it together. Um, let, let me just look at it. In, let me look at the Hebrew, Hebrew version of it. Um, 
Jesus came. Um, I will look at it from just bear with me. Um, I'm trying to, there's a scripture. I think I'll look, let me just, let me just look for it. Um, the one Jesus uh, came to seek and save the lost. Yes, when he said, I have come, as it was written, oh, Hebrews chapter 10. Sorry. I knew it was Hebrews, but my mind was going to Hebrews 1. I don't know why. Hebrews 10. Look at it in Hebrews 10. Look at Jesus, even Jesus. You know, I'm praying that God will help us to, to appreciate his word and rely on it entirely. Look at Jesus. The Bible said in verse um, 5. Let me read it from verse 5. Verse 7. It says, therefore, when he came into the world, this was Jesus, he said, sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Look at, look at Jesus. When he came into the world as a human being, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire. He was talking to God. But a body you have prepared for me. Excuse me. Do you know as Jesus was was as Jesus had a body, he was the son, or he was a human being. Even so, me and you are human beings, isn't it? And look at what he was going to use that body for. He said, in burnt offerings and sacrifices of sin, you have no pleasure. Then verse 7, he said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. What is written of him, please? To do your will, oh God. Excuse me. How is it that a human being is going to have a body hmm, and have a purpose in this world he's living in? Is to do what, to, to, to apply what Jesus said in verse 7. He said, behold, I have come. Excuse me. The question God might be asking me and you is, why have you come? Why are you in, on this earth? Why do you have a body? Look at the reason. It is written. It was written concerning Jesus. It was it's also written concerning you and me. What's it written? What's, what's, what's our purpose, please? To do the will of God. And where was it written, please? In the volume of the book where the word of God is written. What a direct application to my own life too. The direct application is I too should realize that I have not first of all come to just be alive, you know, work as a doctor, get a mortgage, have children, grandchildren, and then die. Look at the reason I have come. I have come as it was written concerning me. Excuse me. Remember what the Bible says. The Bible says, all flesh is the Lord's. Every human being. Yes, human beings can be arrogant and say, yes, we are not following this God. They don't even believe in him. But all flesh is God's. And there is a call upon all flesh to come and know their Savior. So for Jesus... When he said, it is written concerning me in the volume of the book, it's also written concerning you and me, my brother, my sister. What is our, what is our purpose, please? To do the will of God. And this is what we should live by because it's the word of God. This should be our purpose for life because it's the word of God. 
Yes. Kevin has reminded us of um, Romans chapter 12. Maybe we should go there, please. Romans 12. Look at it. I'll just read it. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. A living one. And how do you present it, please? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's the word of God. That is our purpose in this life. If you, are, if you want to check, what is God's will for my life? This is it. To present my body a living sacrifice. And presenting it a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable. So what is my purpose there? I should check. What is holy and acceptable to God? It's my responsibility to check it. It's my responsibility to ask God to help me. Know what is holy and acceptable to him and apply it to my life. And as I do that, the Bible says, it is your reasonable service. This is true worship. This is actually serving God. I know the first thing we normally think, oh, I want to serve God. The first thing is I go and do something. Go and walk in church. Go and do this, go and do that. This is my first service to God. Presenting my body. Holy and acceptable to God. Now, why is this important? It is important because this is what God has said. This is the truth. And that's why I don't have an option but to live my life according to this verse one. I don't have an option. Even if I misbehave, I have to come back. And in coming back and I repent, in coming back, I need to embrace it. I need to embrace that scripture. I need to say, oh God, this is what your word has said. Help me. Because this is your will for me. Look at that second verse. If I want to know the true will of God, the Bible is saying, do not be conformed to this world. There is no way I can be conforming to the world and actually I can know the will of God. It's not possible. There's no way I can be I can be looking at the world and trying to be like the world in anything, in any shape, in any form. And I will still come to know the will of God. Look at what the Bible says. Do not be conformed, converted and formed. Don't allow another translation says, don't allow the world to mold, to push you, to fit, to mold you into its shape. But the Bible is saying, be transformed. And how can that transformation take place? There needs to be a constant renewing of my mind. And how can that happen? By the consistent application and obeying the word of God. That is how my mind can be transformed. And also, George, in Amplified, it also mentioned here, it's new attitude. Mm. Yes. It says, Amplified says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and new attitude. Where is that new attitude coming from? The word of God. That new lifestyle, it comes from the word of God. It comes by observing Jesus. By molding yourself according to his pattern. By living our lives according to his pattern. You remember what the Bible says in Philippians. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That's it. God wants, God is saying, the mind that was in Christ Jesus, let it be in you. 
you have to allow it. You see, as I read that scripture, it's just challenging me that God is saying, I should let that mind be in me. Give allowance for that mind to be in you. You have to let it. You have to give yourself over to God and say, God, help me so that I can actually embrace it, embrace this mind, embrace this way of thinking. You know, when the Bible says in the last days, perilous times have come, we've read that scripture. If you look at the living Bible, the living Bible translation, it says, in the last days, it will become difficult to be a Christian. And beloved brethren, when you embrace the word of God, are you not, look, don't people think you are weird? They think, ah, no, this is too much. Even in so-called church, they look at it as, ah, no, this is too much. This is far-fetched. All because you are not conforming to the world around you. You see, and I'm praying that you see, this will inspire us afresh to embrace the word of God wholeheartedly. God is challenging us. You see, I was just praying for myself. I was saying, God, so that means every time I come to study your word, my attitude towards it must be another attitude of you. Um, I should be endeared to it. I should want to seek it more and more. I should take it so serious. The way, you know, you know what will happen. Let me just use human, a human being to, 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 to explain this. You know, if the queen comes to your house now and sits down and says, please, I want to have a personal talk with you. How will you, how will you arrange yourself? Allow me to use the word arrange yourself. Obviously, you have to put on your best, uh, you know, best uh, clothes, drawers, and Do you know? also prepare the best food. Yes. All, everything best, isn't it? Even, even the way you talk, someone like me now, my Nigerian accent will be refined by force. <laughs> and we, you will suddenly see a poshness, a poshness you never saw before. <laughs> All because, and you see, that is how you prepare to talk to a human being. You know, God is more than a human being. He's more than the queen. What God wants us to do is to have a, an attitude of both you are serious about reading his word, encountering him, engaging him, but also at the same time, because our God knows everything, he knows you, he knows your heart. You know, the queen doesn't know my heart. If I go now and I'm invited by the queen and I'm talking, and as I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking slowly. I'm, I'm being particular about my words. You see, the queen greets me and says, hello. And so, hello, your majesty. How are you doing today? I hope you are okay. I heard you are not feeling too fine. It's important you take a rest from time to time. I do understand. You see, I'm picking my words. I do understand your schedule could be tight, but it's good you also rest. You see, I'm picking my words. She won't know that that is not the way I'm talking. That's not my natural way I'm talking. She doesn't know. But excuse me, how can I go to God and be trying to pretend? I can't. I can't pretend before God. That's why in as much as you want to be serious with God. You also want to know that he knows everything. So you have no option but to be open. You can't hide from him. If there's bitterness in your heart, you know God knows. And you need to come in contrition, in repentance, and say, oh God, there's bitterness in my heart. You know my heart. Come and help me deal with it. Even if I don't like the queen, even if I don't like her, do you know, you cannot but be cautious. Eh? You cannot but be well-behaved in her presence, even if you don't like her. <laughs> but when it comes to God, beloved brethren, we don't have an option. 
we need to take his word to us serious. We need to know that he's, he's the almighty God who knows everything. He knows my very heart. Even when at times I don't know my heart. God is so real. And he, he keeps expressing himself again and again through his word to us. And so the prayer is, oh God, if that is the case, then Lord, help me endear my heart to the word afresh. Lord, let me not take your dealings with me through your word lightly. God, if that's the case, then I should seek to take particular note and be deliberate about the things God is telling me personally. If that's the case, I can rely wholeheartedly and believe the word of God as what it says. If that's the case, oh God, at times I have unbelief. Bring your word afresh to my heart again so that I can believe you. If the Bible actually says, and we know it says it, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If that's the case, then I must seek the word of God that comes from his mouth because that is my very life. That is the only way I can, I can live. And I'm trusting that God will help us to run with this understanding. To make this understanding real in our experience. Even when we face challenges, beloved brethren, like when they face their challenge, the terrible challenge in that Second Kings chapter 7, it was the word of God that brought solution. The same thing for me. I should ask God, God, what are you saying? Bring the light of your word into my situation so that I can, I can be useful to you. Even when I'm not living a right life before God, is it not the word of God that purges? Is it not the word of God that sanctifies? I have to rely on that as well. I'm trusting that God will help us. I'm praying that we will be encouraged this evening to, to ask God to help us live and hope and um, direct our lives as God will help us according to his word. That's it. That's it, prayer. I will stop here. May God help us all as we, as we are challenged by these things. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 